0: Yes, you've been listening to another episode of the Dewpoint Report with your host, Margarita Carrillo. I wanted to also let you know that we will be launching our website soon. What I mean by soon is as of April 16th, you will be able to see Links from our previous episodes. Sorted by themes, which you haven't seen before, but that is something that will be as of our launch of the website on April 16th. It will be www.dewpointreport.com com. Look for that in the future. Have a good day. Welcome back. They of course scheduled my second dose before I left, so that I know exactly when I need to return. Important information. And since then I'm happy to report no allergic reactions and the soreness in my arm was no more a soreness than any other time, such as when I have received the flu vaccine. But it is also essential for me to say that when I sat there, it was all, of course, it happened very quickly, of course, just like any. Uh, vaccine but I asked oh can I take a picture but I want to make sure nobody's in the background just me just me not you don't the nurse doesn't have to be the background either and oh they were so excited they said yes of course this is historic why wouldn't you want to and so I was delighted and so I didn't realize that my face had such a grin on it and it was so interesting because I think it's laughable to see how happy I look in a picture where the thought of the conversation that many I have had with other people and that I have obviously listened to or read about and understand from people that have passed away. This is not something to laugh at, to jest at, to joke at. It is something to be absolutely as preventive of as possible. But I was really taken aback when I saw the picture and how much of a grin I had on my face. Because when the the nurse that took the picture, when she said, Oh, of course this is historic, she too felt the importance of what the moment was and said, what she anticipates wanting to do when this is over is just be able to give her mother a hug. And that is the kind of essence of what this pandemic has Done to the world, has done to communities. It really has created an anticipatory moment. And so I have to tell you that it certainly did. I explained to her you know, where my mother was right now. and it it brought it home because on the very next day, I thought about what were my to dos and what I needed to get accomplished, and I did on the day after that, take flowers to my parents, to their gravesite, and thought about them, and had a moment of silence for them, and then Because I had not, I typically see my mom at her gravesite. I had not visited my mother's gravesite in a very long time. And so I gave a, a prayer song as I was there. And that meant a lot. It meant a lot in that it was like giving, giving her a hug from a distance, which is what I tend to do when I sing a prayer song. And I thought of all the people that have gone on, that are not on this earth anymore, but are in their respective locations, meaning People believe different in terms of what happens after a person passes away. And so I, of course, can't assume that everybody believes the same as I do. But I absolutely respect that other people believe differently. And in the thoughts and prayers and moments of silence, I think of the mercy that must be had to relieve the suffering of all the people so that when they are in their worst of pain, that they not feel helpless in that moment of pain as they pass on from this life to their next journey. And so that is exactly what the next few days was about, giving closure to some things that had been unearthed over the last year, emotionally and metaphysically, but then also tangibly ensuring that there was spiritual balance in a way that allowed me to maintain a sense of what was normalcy to me in truly a world that has little normalcy right now. Because to pray at home is one thing. To continue social distance while in that prayer is a completely different concept now in this world that we live in than it used to be a couple of years ago. And so I was thinking about how perhaps on Easter Sunday I may have overcompensated by watching so many services, Easter services. Now, Holy Week itself has observances that are important, that begin on Thursday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then Holy Saturday. And, of course, it's the vigil, Easter vigil. And so, yes, I watched the Easter Vigil. I watched an Easter Mass, another Easter Mass, and another Easter Mass. But I don't consider the Easter Vigil among the ones that I watched on Easter Sunday. But one could if they wanted to, because that was about a two-hour Mass. Why, one would ask, would I sit through so many services? In true retrospect and introspect, the answer to that is every homily that the priest, cardinal, or bishop or even the Pope, gave was different yet unique in its message and I thought it especially important to listen to particularly in a year that has been so difficult. Now yes, Are there moments where sometimes you don't agree with every single word that is said? Yes, that's true. But uh, in the sense of my wholeness, of what keeps me true in a faith that, of course, has been challenged over the years. No one can really say their faith has never been challenged unless they haven't had a depth of faith that has questioned to the innards of their existence. But what has made it such that I wanted to continue to hear more messages well, This year, having been so difficult and so complex for so many, two things. One, I fully recognize that there are different liturgies that could be read. So I knew there could be variations in the readings. That's one. And two, I knew that there could be unique interpretations from the officiants. And that's exactly what it was. It was the homily of the masses that stood out so uniquely and important, particularly for the point that Many will say how difficult it's been to be so virtual with a lot of the online, either people taking classes, people taking seminars, and people connecting with family, or even trying to maintain a sense of faith. It's enough to convince a lot of people that it isn't worth it to even keep a level of faith that had ever been kept before. And in one conversation that I had with one of the deacons, I did explain to him, or I tried to explain to him. I asked if he understood just how much people are truly trying to hold on to faith under these most difficult circumstances when we are being asked to social distance from the very thing that many of us have held on to for so long as the essence of our being. And now I know that there are are a lot of people who still go based on their different denominations and what their different parishes or churches or um, locations allow them to do, uh, to the act, go to the actual sites. But I follow the science. And of course I'm guided by faith, but I follow the science because I know that the science is critical in balancing how we maintain a sense of solvency on this earth. Because we have our spirituality that keeps us strong, but in many ways we rely on science to keep us solvent on this earth. And that can be very clearly seen by the fact that there has been a connectivity established with much of the church, churches, faiths, denominations, who have heeded the advice of so many of the scientific community who have Recommended face masks, recommended hand washing, recommended checks at the door for temperature, recommended social distancing. You know, there's so much that one can see now that the strength of faith. Is the preparation of the soul for the next journey but that does not necessarily disregard the balance that exists with the need for knowledge of the sciences that guide logically our humanity through some of the most difficult times, such as those that we are in now. Well, hello and welcome. Many of you have heard the trailer that I recently posted about how I was anticipating the first dose of my COVID-19 vaccine. And you were probably wondering, well, what happened? Why hadn't I said anything? Did it not occur? And it's not that I didn't want to let you know what had occurred. I've simply been a little bit busy and preoccupied. But I certainly wanted to follow through on what I had originally intended To say and let me tell you although I said that yes it seemed as if though I was the last person to receive the vaccine because the wait has been so long certainly that is not true many more people still have yet to receive The vaccine, and I very much uh, value the fact that I waited my turn, because the day that it began, and very much as a typical COVID nineteen era day, I can't say it was a typical day, as in most typical days, because in this the time of COVID. Many things are different, and although when we go back into what will be some sense of normalcy, it will never be quite what it was before because it will have become a new, different kind of routine. And so the day began in my preparing as best I could for what the day would bring. And this isn't the first time I've ever received a vaccine. I get my flu shots every year. And I'm used to getting them, and so I I don't have a fright of what that would be like, a concern of what it would be. It more was the anticipation of how long it had taken to get to the very moment as to where I finally received that email notification that said, you're eligible. And so there are probably some people who think, why so excited? particularly when there have been 550,000 people who have passed away from this horrible disease. Well, the fact that the vaccine can help stem off the, not only COVID itself, but if someone were to get COVID, it would decrease the amount of impact COVID would have on an individual much more than if someone didn't get the vaccine. Now, I'm fully aware that the COVID-19 vaccines that are available in the United States do not currently protect against the variants that have been identified. However, it still helps the body create that fighting mechanism internally to help improve the appropriate responses should COVID occur. And so, as I said, the day began in a typically atypical COVID kind of way. I wanted to make sure that I got there with enough time and didn't miss my appointment slot. I needed to arrive and there was some travel time involved. In a different episode, I'll talk a little bit more about. How the scheduling changed from day to day, and why that created an even further anticipatory curiosity in my mind. But not at this moment. At this moment, I want to walk you through my steps. I set out towards the metro transit station and waited for the appropriate bus to be on its way on the route and sure enough I asked Will you arrive by this time? And he looked at his schedule, and he assured me he would. And then he continued to ask me other questions, which I had never been asked before. Which were interesting, but he asked, don't you have Medicare? And I said, no. Then he asked me what year I was born. Or he asked me my birthday, excuse me. And I gave him the year I was born because I thought, now that's interesting. I've ridden the bus before and no one has ever asked me for my birthday. But I was in such a mode of wanting to get to this appointment on time that I didn't think beyond the fact that I thought that that was unusual and different. But I wasn't going to think much beyond that. Because if I got flustered by that, it would take up too much of my energy, and I didn't want my energy to go to waste on things that were not going to maintain my focus on what I was embarking on. Again, the anticipation of this for such a long time had been accruing month after month after month. And so I answered with my birth year and then I sat down. We had a brief conversation about how much the bus cost and how much it didn't I had already paid. But then he said it didn't cost and it didn't cost for people with disability or people that are elderly, which helped me understand why he was asking those questions. Because someone had told me a different bus driver that it was free to people with a disability or the elderly until a specific day in September but I had to show my ID or I had to show my disability placard, and so there are all these components that you know is it a dollar is it two dollars and so they suddenly have been telling me I don't have to pay and so I was more focused on that, and surprised by the question about Medicare, surprised about the birthday question. And then, the bus drove off. And all was well on the bus ride, but I must say there was something quite interesting. Of the three people, that entered the bus with walkers when they parked their walker in the front area of the bus two out of the three walkers these are the walkers that have the little seats that people can sit on when they want to rest a little bit the Nova brand Two out of the three failed, even though the brake was put on. What do I mean by failed? Well, they moved. They didn't stay where they were placed. On the first occasion, the man got up in one of the bus stops, and he found something in one of the... of his walker and he used that to tie it to the one of the poles of the bus. And so then the rest of the ride that the person was on, the scooters, the uh, it's not a scooter actually, it's a walker. The walker stayed in its place. The second person, Placed the scooter the walker <laughs> I want to call it a scooter but it's a walker the second person placed the walker and it didn't move the third person put the brake on their walker, but it jostled about in the bus. And though one of the passengers wanted to get up to begin to put it back in place, I told him to stop. I said, no, and I didn't explain why. And perhaps I should have, but the reason I said no don't get up, is because I thought that if he did get up, he could be injured himself just by trying to affix the walker. Of course, if he wanted to, during a stop, of course he could, to help the other person out, which ended up being what I did. Because my stop soon arrived, as I was exiting, I moved the walker and located a place where it could stay a little longer, more fixed, and then I exited the bus. Insofar as how quickly I got to the location, Of the vaccine site. It was a bit of a jaunt but it didn't take more than two minutes. One of the gates was closed so I walked in the other direction and one of the signs said parking only and so I deduced that I shouldn't enter through those gates because that was for parking only. So I walked back through the other front portion of the building looking for an open gate. Interesting, I thought. What an adventure. You see, on my way to the open gate where the sign had said parking only, I found a pair of glasses. These glasses were on the lawn of the location. And upon my observing that these glasses were on the ground, I quickly picked them up because anyone knows that a science experiment quickly goes awry with the terrible heat that can occur through the lens of a glass onto soil. And additionally, I thought, perhaps the individual who dropped these is nearby. And soon thereafter, a young man was near And I asked him, are these your glasses? And he said, no, I don't go to this school. But I thought to myself, what does going to this school have to do with the glasses? But I didn't ask him. I just thought to myself, because my curiosity was if those were his glasses. And so I said, oh, I'll I'll give them to someone in the school. And as I walked around the building, eventually I found an open gate, which was the best location to enter through. Made my way to the entrance, and I have to tell you, once I was there, though the instructions were slightly different than I had been told over the phone, because they had said, bring proof of income. They didn't want that when I was there. And so the good thing is I had it with me, but they didn't want it. And they said, we've never, we've never had to ask that, and we've never been told that that's been asked. But I didn't think anything of it because I was, again, so anticipating the vaccine itself. This is not a thrilling euphoria like it's Christmas night and everyone waits till midnight to open the presents kind of where's the vaccine. This is more of... What an important shield to protect and strengthen my health. What an important opportunity to continue to participate in preventive efforts as much as possible. That's what that meant. And so then, eventually, the vaccine was administered and all was well. I waited my 15 minutes. I sat down in an area where all the chairs were socially distanced. And I had set a timer for myself so that I would know exactly when the 15 minutes were done. And sure enough, when the timer sounded I looked around everyone was just to themselves so I walked away and I said thank you to the attendant at the door but she was so busy she didn't have time to hear me or to say anything and so I didn't take it personal because I thought that's what it's like when people are very busy and as I left the building I realized all of that anticipation for that one moment, upon which we're then now, after having waited fifteen minutes to confirm whether or not I would have had an allergic reaction, there I was, at the door, with the sun beaming bright down on my forehead, face masks still on, of course, Recognizing that now, onward and forward, the second dose would, of course, be just down the way a few more days, but time to go back home. And so, just as any other day, I needed to focus on how I would find the next bus get home safely, and carry out the rest of my day. And so I think the reason why this had become such an anticipatory thought process for me Is that when people began to talk about the development of the vaccine, whether or not it would be possible and how many companies had embarked on the research to develop one and how quickly it could be developed and how many were receiving emergency use authorization and how the tiers would be developed. For the various counties, in order to ensure the proper closure opening protocols, the social distancing, the guidelines, and then once the tier is changed, how different cities and jurisdictions and municipalities could adhere to those changes. That's just one thing, but then the other, of course, was how the human psyche is affected by all those changes. You see, it isn't just about, well, will there be a vaccine someday? There is a vaccine now, and it has been just a matter of months since the vaccine has been developed, and now even with certain programs such as with COVAX, on an international level, the vaccine itself is being administered worldwide. So whereas this has gone from a thought to a research, to a process, to completion, to many of the individuals who were part of the clinical trials, talking about their experiences, what that was like in such a rapid process that has never occurred before in history. Everyone has had a moment in time upon which we can all reflect about our COVID experience. There are many directions upon which I could have discussed the vaccine dose one day experience. But the direction that I just shared with you is the clearest is the most direct and just as the bus route that I took home was the most appropriate way to in this moment Have met that particular moment and then now be able to talk about it you see I have told you before about how I had been scheduled to receive the vaccine hours away I questioned the logic behind that well, it went beyond questioning the logic to heeding the advice of a family member who said, well, there are vaccines being offered at this other location and the appointments are available. and You should double check because it's closer. And I thought, well, I already have an appointment, and I'm not going to double book an appointment, but I want to make sure that it's going to be acceptable for me to be able to get it there instead of where I already have it scheduled. After having done that, and realizing, yes, truly, I didn't have to go two hours of a distance to get the vaccine, That was eye-opening. I shouldn't have had to go two hours away to get the vaccine to begin with, but because of the availability that was noted on the communication that I was sent, that's where I had been assigned. And so having begun to make arrangements to get to that vaccination site, I was preparing, I was planning, I was remaining as would I call organized as possible, where I get all of my information together in a folder, and I have all of my data together, so that when I arrive, I have everything together. Sometimes people laugh at that, but other times, and most of the time, people are surprised, and they admire the fact that I often am overly prepared. But then... When the moment occurred that I was able to get a vaccine appointment closer, I realized a lot of the planning that I had already done to be able to get to the two-hour-away vaccination appointment would have to be undone. But I couldn't undo everything because suddenly I might have additional expenses on top of the expenses that I already would have. And that wouldn't be fair. So, what would have been a stressful day in receiving the COVID vaccine became a less stressful day, though it was stressful, because I still had to walk two miles to the bus transit center and back, plus the short distance between the the bus stop. But making sure that I got there on time, planning ahead, that's a much smaller concern if it's a little more nearby than we're at the two hours where I had had to make more complex arrangements, such as renting a car. And, of course, the day was different, so it was sooner than had been originally anticipated. And so, and I've heard people say they've had triple scheduling or they haven't gotten all the information they needed to be able to do the scheduling. I can understand how there are layers upon layers upon layers because I have to say, in my own experience, I was asked to sign up for the pharmacy. vaccine program, my primary care physician vaccine program, the program, which is from a different care provider that I also signed up with, the California vaccine website. And it seemed like they were not all responding with the information until they began to have the availability. And so this is why I'm saying it can actually be a very stressful process. But once the eligibility is there, the information is available. Because when my primary care position location finally notified i should correct myself my in network notification when that arrived that actually helped me better understand that phases were changing and availability was Now, my. This concludes the episode from the Dewpoint Report with Margarita Carrillo. On April 16th, you'll be able to view theme episodes on our website at dewpointreport.com. And truly, as we look at tonight's win by Baylor University over Gonzaga, and the victory, the happiness, the joyfulness that that created of all of the individuals that make up the NCAA tournament, the excitement that it created, it was fantastic, but one can't help but wonder. Oh, and of course, not to mention the women's Basketball teams as well that played. And the fact that Stanford pulled out the successful win yesterday against the team from Arizona, who was actually favored, can't go without being said. But my point is that with all of these games being played and everyone's excitement, one can't help but really question how does one balance the fact that there truly there was not a whole lot of social distance and because the gleefulness that comes from that is insurmountable for many but with all of the warnings by so many people of continuing the social distancing, continuing the face mask wearing, recognizing the setbacks that can occur. For example, officials talking about a concern over a fourth wave, we've just gotten through some very difficult times, let alone if we're about to enter a fourth wave, that would just be even more horrendous definitely don't want that but when you see the celebratory nature of what goes on after championship game you can't help but wonder because they're not wearing face masks when they're playing they though in some instances the games are played without people in the audience that's one thing but it's when there are people that are fans that are watching together they are not social distancing necessarily all the time and so is the game itself creating the situation which then people are going to gather to watch? And that is a question that is discussable on many levels because one balances the sponsorship with the, what is gained from the game itself. And of course then you want to also look at the endorphins that are released as a result of the happiness from a win even just the socialization is one thing but is it healthy and does it in and of itself create What I mean by it, I mean, does the fact that you're inviting, by having the championship, you're inviting people to gather and and pretty much break these new norms that have been created. And then in essence, creating the fourth wave. Because I know that the sports... Teams and franchises and leagues have worked tremendously hard to ensure that their players were protected as much as possible. And what then becomes of concern is if there's so much protection, so much testing, so much focus on the preventive health of all the players, then where is that same level of protection for the fans? who they themselves put themselves at jeopardy, and they themselves are paying for these tickets to arrive at the game. And so one has to wonder. Particularly since the NBA led in creating the concept of the bubble. When they were in Florida, they really created this concept of what the bubble meant. But then when the parks began to open, for example, Disney World, and allowed more people. Did that change what the bubble itself was? And as the championships began to go outside of the bubble, see, these aren't individual biospheres. People do have loved ones that are arriving at these locations that come from different areas. And so it isn't as if though it is a completely a place completely void of any interaction from the outside world it's not a biosphere. And I don't think they would want it to be that because the last thing you want is to become someone who has munchausen and is constantly just seeing other diseases in other people and focusing on what other people have. And it creates a sense of paranoia in oneself just because of the fact of everything that's being heard. I don't think that that is, in essence, where our entire society is going. Because there is an end to the current pandemic. There will be a point where this will no longer be called a pandemic because the amount of infections will change, it will go down. And at that time, it will be treated differently. It will be treated more as something that will be monitored very much like the way when people get the flu. Of course, it's more contagious than that. But not in the sense that one would not understand it as it was not understood at the beginning and had to be researched and then there was a lot of focus on it. And so my point that I'm making is one cannot become so consumed by trying to be germ-free. Washing hands every five minutes is not necessarily what officials are asking for when the CDC gives guidelines for hand washing they're not talking about like every five minutes go wash your hands if that's what someone was doing they would in essence be ingesting the very cleansers with which they're washing their hands if they're using antibacterial if they don't allow it to dry if they're constantly washing That defeats the purpose of being cleanly. So one has to look at this with reason and understand that we've always had a certain amount of germs on our body. A certain amount of bacteria has always existed on our body. In fact, we have bacteria that exists in our gut. If you've ever seen how yogurt is made, you would understand that even yogurt has an interesting process. Because it's a live culture. And I don't mean to digress, but I want to make the point that we should really understand that when people say information repetitiously, they're not saying it because they think we're going to forget it and not know it tomorrow. I mean, sure, there are many diseases that affect the mind and can ravage the memory by destroying synapses. I mean, Alzheimer's is a perfect example. One in six women gets Alzheimer's. That's destructive to the brain, but that doesn't mean that Every person's going to get it. And what that means is when you understand the kinds of things like that statistic I just gave you, then that means you're better equipped to recognize some of the changes around you, not only for yourself, but for the people that you care about, your relatives, your loved ones your neighbors, you have to be aware and as perceptive as possible. And so you can't necessarily, and I say you in the plural sense, I'm not talking to you as one person. I'm talking about you, you you society, you all in the plural sense that are listening. The more informed that you become by the information that the Health officials, public health officials are saying the better equipped you are to make a decision. And what I have noticed is in the kid edition of news, in the kid edition of podcasts, in the kid edition of certain areas, many of the questions are extremely enlightened. They are mature. They are very aware of what their responsibility is. And those are the kind of highlights that are so important because what it means is the messaging has been very strong in one area such that the cognitive impact and the cognitive growth for our youth has pretty much ingrained what are the precautionary measures for existing in this, the time of COVID. But where we have lapsed is in balancing that learning for them with so many other things such as reading and comprehension, mathematics, arithmetic, and essay writing, things that are very important also. And so I think we shouldn't uh, be shy of what We need to say with what is important, because if we get wrapped around the axle over just one situation that's occurring because it is an emergency, and certainly the COVID-19 pandemic was an emergency, is an emergency, a global one at that, but we cannot forget that the children around us still Look up to the adults as, what next? What can I learn now? Because the brain, for them, is wanting to absorb so much information, and so we cannot just overwhelm them with the same information over and over again. They have so much more to learn, and we have a lot to teach them, but we also have a responsibility to teach them fairly, teach them balance, and teach them appropriate material. And so that, as one person once told me, an emergency for one person is not an emergency for another. Though in a pandemic, that role has very much changed because we've all learned to help each other out as much as we can. We also have learned that you cannot overextend yourself such that then you don't leave any room for yourself to stay strong. And that is the last message for today. With you tonight, Margarita.